You are listening to Astrology Today, coming to you live from beautiful British Columbia and Powell River, which is situated on the traditional lands of the Kahaman Nation. I will be your host, Maureen Reed, and I am an astrologer. Welcome. This here is a tape show, because guess what? I had plans before I even knew I was going to be a radio personality. And so um, I'm actually at a craft fair, as you're listening to this, in Cumberland. And um, one of my other occupations or uh, interests is quilting. And so that's where I am, and I'm selling some of my quilts. Now, for today's show, um, I'm hoping it's going to be way more entertaining than um, my last show. Um, yeah, I kind of got a little carried away with data on the last show. And so I'm, yeah, <laughs> this one's going to be way better, I hope. Um, what I have done is I have um, uh, six charts that are up on my website. And I put out an announcement on Friday, and I hope most people were able to download those charts so that they have them in front of them because uh, it will help in um, you know seeing what I'm saying and where I'm going with it. Okay so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to jump into sign qualities and a little bit of a preamble to begin with. The band of the elliptic that once was the source of the 12 signs that we use today, those sign names were evoked by the pattern of the fixed stars that gave rise to pictures of a ram, a bull, twins, and they were Castor and Pollux, the crab, the lion, the virgin holding a sheaf of wheat, a set of scales, a scorpion, a centaur holding a bow and arrow, a sea goat, a water bearer, and two fishes. These, of course, are not the only pictures that are drawn on the night sky, but it was around this band that the ancients discovered the wandering stars, which is where the word planet comes from. Over 2,000 years ago, this band was aligned with the sun's yearly cycle that demarcated the spring equinox, summer solstice, fall equinox, and winter solstice. The sun's yearly cycle no longer aligns with the star pictures around the elliptic. Back in the day, the above problem was not evident, but they had a problem too. Those star patterns were not in any way nicely divided up into 30 degree increments. Some were way more than 30 degrees and obviously some were smaller. So today we have two problems to solve. From Google, we get an answer to the first problem. The precession of the equinoxes refers to the observable phenomena of the rotation of the heavens, a cycle which spans a period of approximately 25,920 years, over which time the constellations appear to slowly rotate around the Earth, taking turns at rising behind the rising sun on the vernal equinox. So and that's the spring equinox. This phenomena brought about by the wobble of the earth is brought about by the wobble of the earth on its axis. Okay, right at this moment, I went, yeah, I'm not going to try to explain that because I'm not sure even I would understand it. So I'm sure with the help of Google, anyone needing more info on uh, the wobble of the earth on its axis, you can find an answer there. 
What this looks like in the practice of astrology can be seen on the chart I put up for today. When I started the show, the sun, by tropical reckoning, was at one degree of Sagittarius, but against the actual backdrop of stars was closer to Scorpio at seven degree by sidereal calculation, a difference of 24 degrees. Just a few things here need to be fleshed out. So, back 2,000 years ago, decisions were made by astrologers to go with a seasonally based sign system, which allotted the 360 degrees to the circle of the elliptic and 30 degrees, nice neat number, to each of the signs. Now at every spring equinox, we start with zero degrees of Aries and this system is called tropical. But there was another group of astrologers in the region of India decided to stick with the stars and particularly the fixed stars and where they lined up at the spring equinox. Now fixed star positioning with the sun on that day and they too would use a 30 degree increments for the 12 fold division of the signs. Thus they solved the two problems as well. Um, now you'll notice that I have uh, put up two unusual looking charts from what I have in the previous put up where what I actually have is on the inner chart is the style of tropical uh, astrology that I follow and on the outer ring of one of them you will see that it is uh, it says geocentric Lahiri and what that is is it's a style of sidereal reckoning which is used in Vedic astrology and so here you can see that yes um, from my point of view we have the Sun at one degrees of Sag but by sidereal reckoning we have the Sun at seven degrees of Scorpio okay so um, yeah this this system can get a bit complicated but it's best to just remember that um, uh, you know I'm going to be practicing and talking uh, with charts that are based on a tropical uh, zodiac system which is seasonal with Aries being the first degree in the spring equinox now in the West, in the 20th century, there was also a system of heliocentric astrology floated, where the Earth instead of the Sun was in the chart, and the planetary positions were relative to the Sun, and not from our perspective. How and, and more like with the way astronomers will look at planets. There is a school, um, and it's named RASA, uh, R-A-S-A, Heliocentric Astrology, uh, founded by Robin Armstrong, which I believe he got going in the 1970s. And I've also included a chart on my website that shows the tropical system in the middle and the heliocentric style on the outside. The green circle with a cross in it is the Earth position. Lots to try out and explore, if you want. Okay, now let's get back to the system we are going to be using. The meanings attributed to the signs have obviously evolved over time. Not sure I'll get through all 12. Matter of fact, I know because I'm taping this. I only got through four, <laughs> which is okay. As the sun by tropical reckoning has just entered Sagittarius, we will start there. 
a shout out to all those who are born in Sagittarius. And that, of course, remember, is just the sun. The process of learning this language starts by taking in a bunch of descriptions, which I'm about to give you, and then letting your intuitive and imaginative, I would also, you know, encourage you to also use your emotional brain to create a picture of what that would be like. In other words, as I'm describing a sign, it's almost like you're putting it on, like it was a coat. And then you're imagining, okay, if this was my emotional nature, what would that be like? If this was my style of communicating, what would that be like? Um, if this is my style of relating, what would that be like? And so on. At least for me, this is how I get a sense of the signs. So that say, if I'm looking at Venus in let's say Sagittarius, how would that be? Okay, and yeah, so now there are other considerations, um, especially who is the domicile, and in ancient astrology, instead of saying signs, they said domiciles, because the way they looked at it, it was like the planet lived in that area, or, you know, that's what it, where it wanted to live. So for instance, with Sag, um, we're talking about the planet Jupiter. That was one of its favorite homes. Okay, so let's start with Sagittarius. The planet, as I just said, makes his home here is Jupiter. The image that um, has come down through time is of a centaur with a bow and arrow. Now the centaur has the legs of a horse and the arms of a man, suggesting a complicated nature, body with reason, instinct with spirit. And can Sagittarius reconcile these opposites? It is also considered a fire sign, and it is mutable, which is can be code for unstable or adaptable. Now, the arrow likes its journey, and finding the mark, what then? The flight into expanded experience, and so Sagittarius's motto might be, it's the journey that is important, not the destination. Another thing that this image is evoking is don't fence me in. Freedom to explore. Here too can come the notions of the way, the truth, and the light. In other words, um, with the kind of exploring that they do, um, you know, they can become, if not careful, kind of know-it-alls um, just because they've been there and they've done everything. And the way the truth and light is fine if it's the Sagittarius's own philosophy, but not so good if it becomes prophetical. In other words, they're, you know, they're going to browbeat you into their point of view. Finding expression is also required. Okay, so let's look at it, let's say, if we're looking at the moon. Emotional. Expansive, hopeful, morally easygoing. Hmm. Optimistic, self-indulgent can be scattered. Mentally, we get people, so this would be with Mercury there, scientific, principled, big picture, which is a really nice quality to have. Uh, global, and again, yeah, that know-it-all thing. Sometimes with Sag rising, you can pick them out of a crowd, and again, this is Sag rising, so they may have sun anywhere else, they may have the moon anywhere else. But a Sag rising often has long legs, they're often lanky, 
and they do in, in love sports. Now, in other areas, in other words, if the sun is just in Sag and something else is rising, they can overindulge. And so weight gain, weight loss, yeah, that can be part of it. Now, places where they're very happy to be are high, open, and dry. And spiritually, obviously, philosophy is important. Um, yeah. So Jupiter dwells here as a greater benefic, full of optimism and enthusiasm. Here, Jupiter has lots of resources, and he can be himself there. Being a guest here will rely on Jupiter as a host. Who he will welcome here is the Sun, Saturn. They can be very happy here because of sect, because of Jupiter belongs to the day sect set of planets. So Mercury, depending on how it's configured, it's actually in its fall here. And so it may or may not be happy in Sagittarius. It'll depend on the condition of Jupiter. Now, Venus, Mars, and the Moon are not as happy unless Jupiter is well configured because they are of the nighttime set. If Jupiter has fortune or misfortune plays into this, um, then again, that will modify the planets that we find in Sag. So another way of looking at this uh, quality of Sag is I understand, I can visualize, I'm very expansive, and I need to know what's true for you. The archetypes can be the gypsy, the student, the philosopher, and just to kind of round it out, a few of the things that uh, we've got to be careful with in terms of um, Sagittarius. Okay, so uh, so you can put the word over in front of words like over faith, over trusting, can put people up on pedestals, a little hard to live with, argumentative, exaggerative, exaggeration, talkative, procrastinating, self-indulgent, blunt. Um, it's often, uh, cartoons are often illustrated with Sag, you know, the hoof in mouth disease. And again, there's your centaur imagery. Impatient can be a gambler, pushy, hot-headed. And one of the things I'm always passing on to Sag people with Sag circuits is if it sounds too good to be true, they need to think about it. Okay. Now the next sign, and what we're looking at here, of course, are the signs around the winter um, uh, solstice. And, and that does color what they mean. And again, obviously, this system was based in the northern hemisphere. Um, and, uh, you know, a shout out to those who live in the southern hemisphere. Of course, their seasons are reversed. Okay, now in Capricorn, Saturn is at home here. And the image is a sea goat, the four feet and head of a goat, um, and the rear end of a fish. Ew, I don't know. Fish and goat? It's kind of a little smelly, I would say. <laughs> this again is a sign with two natures, but both of them are not human. And traditionally, the fish part seems to be kind of left out of the imagery or out of the descriptions. Okay, so they talk about two goats, one tethered to a post, in other words, the goat that would be milked, 
Um, but the other goat that's free, who leaps up the mountain, one works hard for a reward to get fed, the other dashes off to make millions. So what is the fishy part? And my sense is being dragged out of its element, this might be just the point. It's not comfortable when it's dragged out of its element, people with Capricorn circuits. Being a guest of Saturn will require that he is in charge. You will be welcome in a day chart if you are Jupiter and the Sun. So uh, Jupiter in Capricorn or the Sun in Capricorn where the positive constructive side of Saturn can come out if, if Saturn is well placed. If you have a night chart and our Mars, Venus or the Moon are in Capricorn, Saturn becomes a malefic and you will hope he is well placed in your chart. Capricorn is an Earth sign. Um, it is also cardinal, so it likes to initiate things. Not necessarily going to follow through, but it loves to get it started. And it is also considered a feminine sign. Some of its keywords are I use, ambition, structure, and it loves security. At the turning point for winter, Capricorn is well aware of the need to survive till spring. And so it takes responsibility very seriously. Practical, pragmatic, reliable, and conserving. This sign is the sign that can say, the buck stops here with me. Boundaries and limitations and rules all make Capricorn happy. The archetype are the hermit, the father, the prime minister. Emotionally, it can be challenged. Um, with the moon here. Depressed and anxious, what it really likes is strong attachments. Um, and an image that I often come up with with the moon here is either boot camp, mom, or dad. So able to parent on the side of teaching kids to take responsibility for their actions and their life. Mentally, it is grounded, professional, but can be dictatorial. And I think, as I will secretly tell you, I have a moon in Capricorn, so I've been occasionally uh, been seen as being just maybe a wee bit dictatorial. Maybe just a tiny bit. <laughs> okay, physically, um, bones, knees, joints, skeleton, skin, um, and it can suffer from chronic conditions. Now, again, that would be possibly with Capricorn rising, you might see this, not so much necessarily with the sun or other planets. And funnily enough, I read body parts go missing. So there's something somebody could study, you know, and I would assume that would be with Capricorn rising. Okay, places that it likes, high, cold, sparse, inaccessible, ageless, stone, and dirt. Um, and I happen to be a maniac gardener, so the dirt part really fits. Negative characteristics, okay, egotistical, domineering, unforgiving, fatalistic, the mind can rule the heart, which isn't always a good thing, stubborn, brooding, inhibited, status-seeking, turn to stone, loneliness, and looking for approval from outside. Okay, now at the top of the chart, we have two signs that are ruled by Saturn. So Capricorn was the first one, and now we come to Aquarius. Um, and Saturn is also at home here, but this is a different sense. 
Okay, so let me first describe the image. This is the water bearer pouring ideas, apparently. For lots of budding astrologers, and I was one of these, there is total confusion because like, huh, why is this not a water sign? Uh, because it isn't. It is a air sign. And so ergo, I guess, the idea that it's pouring out ideas. Also with this sign, we enter into a controversy around the rulerships with 20th century astrologers giving this sign to the outer planet Uranus. I'm currently studying the ancient form of Hellenistic astrology, and they, of course, did not know about Uranus because it wasn't visible, and Saturn took this domicile. For this episode, I am going to stick to these old rulerships. We are full into winter's grip with this sign. The questions of reality just might come up over the fire on a cold winter's night. It is a fixed sign with time on its hands. Hmm, there must be a better way. In the previous Saturn-ruled sign, Capricorn was opposite Cancer and opposite the Moon. And so putting those together, they produce the ability to sustain life. So they were the gatherers for the winter. Now we have Saturn and the Leo Sun is opposite. And they have to come to terms with each other. And my sense is this is a father-son masculine archetype. Evolution or revolutionary tensions arise naturally. Who has authority? Who sets the boundaries? How are individuals going to be recognized? In other words, that separation that all children have to make from the parent, you know, where they carve out their own individuation. So this is an air fixed sign. Again, it's hunkered down and it's masculine. Some of the keywords are, I know, I imagine, I reform. And the archetype can run from the truth-sayer, the revolutionary, the genius, the exile, the scientist. And I do believe it's the sign um, that hopes for individuation. Emotionally, because it's an air sign, it can be detached and not conforming, not wanting to be swallowed up by that sun. Unpredictable, startling. Mentally, it's quick thinking, computer mind, also shares sort of global thinking that the Sag has, and open to the foreign. Physically, intense bursts of energy. Um, ankles, calves, and shins, nervous system, those are some of the things that um, it can um, configure to uh, circulation as well. And again, that would probably be with the rising sign. Also with the rising sign, high foreheads, startling eyes, thick ankles. Again, one somebody could, you know, kind of research. On the ascendant, unusual beauty. Um, if you take a sampling of all of the people that have won something like the Miss Universe contest, you will find that Aquarius is predominantly rising. Places usually likes unusual places, airy, changeable territory, and to stake a new claim. Spiritual um, obviously equals things like astrology, non-traditional to whatever the family is, Precognition is also in there. Negative characteristics, unpredictable, temperamental, bored by detail, cold, 
too fixed in opinion. So the cut off your nose despite your face phenomena. Shy, eccentric, radical, impersonal, rebellious. Alienated, untouchable. Okay. Now we're coming to the last of the four signs. I'm just checking my time. Yep, I'm doing good. Okay, Pisces. Jupiter is at home here as well. Um, and it's taking on a different flavor than it did in Sagittarius. This home has a deeper, broader, vaster field to expand into, um, and it correlates to awareness. The images, the fishes. Okay, and I think I copied and pasted this from a description on the internet. The glyph of Pisces, the sign of the fish, represents two fish who are connected to each other but swimming in opposite directions. It symbolizes our connectedness to one another in the vast sea of the universe. The fish are pointed in opposite directions, letting us know that travel in more than one realm is possible. We also have to note that this is the last sign in our scheme. Next is Aries and spring, and we start or renew a new cycle. So what does it mean to be at the end? Expanding and then obviously what happens next is there's that contraction back into form. What happens when there are no boundaries? This is a water sign. No boundaries on an emotional level. Is this my feeling, your feeling, or God? Mystical, spiritual, Jupiter here is not dogmatic like in Sagittarius. It seeks to expand into oneness. So there is water, and it, so its element is water. It's mutable, and it's feminine. Some of the images that go with it are, or some of the um, keywords are, I believe, understanding, faith, and what makes sense to me is in sync or attunement. The archetypes, uh, the mystic, the dreamer, the poet, the face dancer. Emotionally sensitive to the vibe that surrounds it. Compassionate, intuitive, psychic, dependent, as opposed to the codependent of Virgo. Uh, mental, it's poetic and dreamlike. Negative characteristics, procrastinating, over-talkative, melancholic, pessimistic, emotionally inhibited, timid, impractical, indolent, often misunderstood, often overwhelmed, the path of least resistance, and its arch nemesis is escapism. Got to be very careful of that one. Okay, so now what I'd like to do is give some examples of these four signs. Okay, so, and I'm going to go back to Sagittarius only as a slight test of memory, eh? When using the language of astrology, it is about to get an impression, then applying that to a real person's chart. And our first chart that we're going to look at um, is that of a famous practicing astrologer, Jeffrey Wolf Green. Now, this gentleman I actually studied with back in the 90s. Um, and his form of astrology back then had to do with um, the evolutionary journey of the soul. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're looking at somebody here who looks at life from a very serious point of view. But 
he does have Sun in Sag. Um, he has both Sun, Mars in the Jupiter sign of Sag. This is a night chart, so we know that Jupiter is not all that happy, which makes the Sun and Mars in Sag not enjoying their stay there as much as they might want to. The Sagittarius qualities must employ a Scorpio flavor. Dark, deep optimism. The brooding gypsy, because that's where Jupiter is. Jupiter is in his first house and in the domicile of Scorpio. So it takes that intensity of Scorpio and it grafts it or melds it into that Sagittarian optimism. Okay, um, so a brooding gypsy, the student that is intense, very focused on delving deeply into a subject. Probably not the optimistic philosopher full of hope. Mars is more happy in Sagittarius. Okay, so that's a fire sign. Mars can relate to fire. He loves fire and he loves where the domicile lord is Jupiter. Yay. Okay, so this is called a reception because Jupiter is in the, is in the domicile or the favorite place of Mars and Mars is in Jupiter's domicile. So even though we're looking at a night chart, Mars is not as, um, it operates in a healthier way in a night chart and so it helps to mitigate the fact that uh, the Sun is in a uh, night sect chart. Okay, so what I said here is this will help take the edge off this guy, energetically letting the arrow um, of his exploration take flight and also not minding the depth diving that Jupiter is caught up in. This position of the Sun and Mars will have a direct influence on his ability to make money and that is because it's in the second house. He has Moon in Pisces and it too is the other domicile of Jupiter. So here we have a native where the two main lights um, have to look to Jupiter to see how they're going to fare. And, um, you know, Jupiter is in Scorpio, not exactly a happy place for it, but because of its reception to Mars, not, you know, it helps a lot. This moon, from my experience of clients, is a very tricky emotional life. Their empathetic channel is wide open. They feel everything that is around them and separating that from what they themselves feel will be a challenge. So too will be the challenge to not just want to disappear into numbing activities like drugs and alcohol. Jupiter's role in this is not helpful. He makes sure that all the highs and lows of the emotion surrounding him will also be felt. The moon in the fifth place um, helps children and creative activities offer an outlet. In practical terms, as a counselor and astrologer, he can connect to clients easily and that Jupiter becomes a gift in shedding hope into very dark places. Yeah. Now, our next um, chart that we're going to look at is our PM, our renewed PM, Justin Trudeau. And he has Sun in Capricorn, okay, the sea goat um, in the fifth place. Now, it is Saturn's domicile, and Saturn is in Gemini in the tenth. 
We have a night chart, which also does make Saturn happy. Actually, it doesn't. What am I saying? Saturn in a night chart. Saturn wants to be in a day chart. Okay, so unfortunately, because he's not happy in a night chart, he becomes quite malefic. So in other words, uh, not bringing out the best in this guy. Um, so we know that the sun will not be performing up to potential. Ah, but here is help. Venus is very happy in a night chart, and it is also in Saturn's domicile. Okay. Um, and it's in Aquarius. So it makes a positive aspect to that troubled Saturn. So this is helping him out. Now, their relative position says a lot about how his life direction has gone. Saturn occupies the 10th place, which is all about statesmanship, and his direction is Capricorn, which also seeks to climb to the top of a field of endeavor. So far, so good. The sun is in the fifth place of children, which speaks to his first career as a teacher. In both careers, communication is essential. Back to Saturn, which is in the domicile of Mercury. Mercury is the planet of communication. How it fares in this chart will speak to his success in the public 10th house place. This knot is quite interesting. Oh, and so here is his moniker, Sunny Ways, which I must admit when I first heard it made me laugh. Does it fit? Oh yeah. Mercury is in Sagittarius and Jupiter is at home. Okay, so we have Mercury and Jupiter in Sag and yeah, optimism is just, that will run out of his mouth all of the time. Being at home, it is a great boon. Mercury is totally under the sway of Jupiter because it is in its fall here. What we do get well optimism taken to the level of faith and can even wandering into almost a religious fervor. Can he check the facts? Well, only with a great deal of effort on his part. In other words, his Saturn requires some discipline to not just get caught up in what sounds good, um, in prophetizing and that type of thing. Okay, um, our next contestant is the famous fashion designer, Christian Dior, and he is an Aquarian. What better way than to be on the cutting edge of fashion design um, if you're an Aquarian, because that's your job. You're supposed to break away from um, what is classic or what is contemporary and come up with new styles every year. Here we see an Aquarian sun whose ruler is also in Aquarian. Saturn is at home. It is a night chart, so not the best scenario, but hey, having the ruler of the sun in his own dom domicile, yeah, that's got to help. And even though this too is, yeah, I've already said that part. Okay, it is also like he had to break away from his home paradigm because that is in the fourth house. So again, an Aquarian activity is perfect, right? It wants to, it needs to break away from that sun. This pair um, also is, you know, deep family and tribal roots. How can he make the break? Well, luckily for him, Mars was rising in a night chart. Um, and, well, it just doesn't get any better than that. Mars is in its own dom domicile of Scorpio. 
there was almost no choice as all three of these in indicators are in angular places. And so um, angular planets tend to, um, you know, make their presence on the stage of life, you know, very evident. Okay, now our next chart, and I'm just watching my time here, is um, the chart of Patty Hearst, famous for being wooed into becoming a terrorist in the U.S. Patty has a day chart, and it's a Pisces. Okay, this should work well as Jupiter, the domicile lord for the sun in Pisces, is a benefic in the day chart, but something obviously went sideways. To begin, we can see that Jupiter itself is prominent in the 10th place, but it's in its fall in Gemini, so it's opposite its domicile of Sag. No one likes being that far away from home, and the malefic in a day chart is Mars, and he is in Jupiter's domicile of Sagittarius, so not so good, which means he is opposing that Jupiter. Mars also is squaring the Sun in Pisces, and that Sun is in the seventh place, uh, which makes the person's direction all caught up in whatever relationship she's involved in. Now back to the Sun in Pisces, empathic to a fault, easy to see someone getting emotionally caught up in this cult. Like in the last chart, Jupiter is in mutual reception with its domicile lord. In other words, benefic Jupiter is in Mercury's domicile, and Mercury is in Jupiter's domicile. So even though they square one another, the reception makes them both happier. A quote here from Wikipedia shows how Jupiter and Mars played their part in this story, but then Mercury Jupiter came to her rescue. At her trial, the prosecution suggested that Hearst had joined the Sibionese Liberation Army of her own volition. However, Hearst testified that she had been raped, that would be a Mars piece, and threatened with death, also a Mars piece, while held in captivity. In 1976, she was convicted for the crime of bank robbery and sentenced to 35 years in prison, which was later reduced to seven years. Her sentence was commuted by President Jimmy Carter and she was pardoned by President Bill Clinton. There you go, that Jupiter in the 10th house. Okay, so more of this to come in upcoming episodes. But in the meantime, I can see I've got, what have I got? I've got 20 minutes to do my typical end of session scenario, which is where's that moon? Okay, so Saturday, November the 20th, Third. We start with Aquarius rising and moon in Libra. Mars is just coming into a one degree orb of Uranus. This can bring about accidents and violence. Everyone please have a heads up next Saturday um, or this Saturday because this is when this is airing. The moon sextiles Venus and Jupiter in late Sag at supper time. May be a pleasant evening be had by all. And I'm thinking we're probably starting into the, the whole Christmas party thing. 11 p.m. tonight, the, the moon slips into Scorpio. And anyone up and about between 2.30 a.m. and 4 a.m., be extra careful as the moon conjoins Mars and then opposes Uranus. Accidents or violence can happen. And I'm, I'm being serious here. 
The exact aspect between Mars and Uranus um, is coming in at 8.50 a.m. on Sunday morning. In the background, Venus has caught up to Jupiter, which may have a very large mitigating effect on that Mars-Uranus. But yeah, people just need to be really careful out there. Anyone with 28 degrees of fire signs, I suggest you buy a lottery ticket Saturday night. So we have Moon in Scorpio for Sunday. I suggest, do you journal, writing, cleaning up, any particular muck mess in your life, whether that be physical or personal? The Moon's only aspect today is to Mercury at 7, 7 at 7.10, I guess. I put 7.70, I don't think so, p.m., Got something you need to say that would be, this would be the time to say it. Okay, Monday morning, we still have Moon in Scorpio. Okay, everybody make sure you have your coffee and your best pasted on smile. Keep it honest and straight up, especially around 8.30 to 9.30 a.m. as the Moon is exciting Pluto. Truth to power. This afternoon, Venus heads into Capricorn gives us a 24 days to check on the structures of our relationships. Good boundaries make good relationships. Saturn is here too, so when Venus catches up to Saturn, any partnership that is not structured well will likely break apart. Okay, and so for me, um, the whatever coalition that our PM puts together, um, it will get tested. Uh, with that Venus um, and yeah so we'll have to see how that plays out. Tuesday overnight the moon had slipped into Sag gives us a new moon at 7.05 a.m. As per usual this would be a great day to start a project with Sagittarian themes. Hmm so a nice ride to a warm and sunny place pops to my mind uh, you know, like, I don't know, the Bahamas or Antigua or yeah, yeah. At least start a new adventure, uh, a book or a project you have never tried before because that's what Sag likes. It likes to explore new things. Wednesday the 27th, we still have optimistic Sagittarius moon. Makes for a pleasant day again. Mercury is lining up for a trine to Neptune, which makes the next aspect most notable. This aspect is ex exact at 2 a.m. Now, Neptune, which has been retrograde since June 20th, re resumes direct motion. And um, I have to say, I haven't really uh, mentioned the outer planets and their retrograde. Um, they do this for a considerable amount of time every year. And hard to say if one even notices it. But I think the station is the one that you would notice. For many Pisces, Sun, Moon, or Ascendant folks, this will be a nice development. Direct transits from Neptune can leave folks way too energetically sensitive to emotions, drugs, and alcohol. This station direct is at 15 degrees of Pisces, and Neptune will not cross this degree now for another 165 years. Yay! Neptune's next station is at 20 degrees. It will back up to 18, um, and that is in 2020. Now we come to uh, Thursday, November the 28th. Early morning, the moon moved into Capricorn, and we get a very interesting mashup that will occur between 9.30 and 10.30 a.m. 
both the moon and Venus conjoin and trine Uranus at three degrees of Capricorn to Taurus. Both the moon and Venus like Taurus, so I'm thinking this will be a pleasant surprise, a comfortable, enriching moment for some. Okay? And that's on Thursday. As the day progresses, the moon makes an energetic sextile to Mars at six degrees of Scorpio, and work will get done. This aspect goes exact at 4.23 p.m. Kind of perfect timing for an afternoon work. Friday the 29th, the moon will first make sextiles to Neptune and Mercury. Let me quote Reinhold Ebertine, and um, he was involved in a type of astrology called cosmobiology, and in a future episode I will talk about it, um, because it had quite a following uh, when I was first getting involved in astrology, um, and it's quite a different way of looking at a chart, and so yeah, it might take me a couple episodes to kind of flesh that out. But basically, um, the book that I have is he makes comments about every combination there is. So like the moon with Venus, the moon with Mars, the moon with et cetera, et cetera. And what happens when you add a third to that combination? So for instance, here we're looking at uh, moon, Neptune, Mercury. So that three-piece combination. And what we get is ideas emerging from the subconscious mind receptiveness, a sympathetic understanding of other souls, an impressionable mind, misguided imagination, a deceived or a deceptive woman. Hmm. And this is on Friday. Now given that Venus has just joined in the Capricorn party today, it would be a good idea not to drink too much at that Christmas party tonight. Um, the moon later in the evening, of course, will check in with Saturn and Pluto and give their eminent conjunction in January. What happens today could have a bearing on this new cycle. Um, yeah, so Friday the 29th, paying attention to who's doing what in the big world of events might give us an idea of what to expect with that new cycle of Saturn and Pluto. Okay, so now we are back to um, Saturday, and uh, we will be in, with Saturday, we have, um, just as my show is starting, the moon will be coming into Aquarius. Now, um, I have some time, I can see, so I think what I'm going to do is just pause for a second here. Okay, and what I'm going to uh, spend the next, uh, what have I got? i got quite a bit of time, actually. I've got about 10 minutes. And I'm going to come back to uh, Neil Young's chart, uh, which, if you can remember, he is a sun in Scorpio, uh, Scorpio rising, Venus there. Um, he's got a very loaded 12th house, um, and he has a moon in Aquarius which we have just been talking about. So um, emotionally, this can lead to some detachment and coolness. But what we want to know is just where is that Saturn? Because the moon is in Saturn's domicile. And what we have is we have Saturn in Cancer. 
this is a night chart and so Saturn is not going to do so well up there and he's also actually very close to Mars. Now when Saturn operates as a malefic, uh, this is one of the things that I've been really mulling over now that I'm looking at um, planets from this ancient point, Hellenistic point of view. And what I'm realizing is that when Saturn's not happy, then um, it lacks accountability. It um, doesn't necessarily want to grow up or mature. Uh, there can be um, not really good boundaries set. Um, and okay, so now we've got his Saturn is in Cancer, and so not exactly a place that uh, Saturn would want to uh, be. It's in its fall, because it's opposite that Capricorn, which is one of its normal domiciles. And Cancer, its nature is to be incredibly personally sensitive. Okay, so we have we have a moon that actually wants to be detached. And Saturn, to some extent, because it rules Aquarius, of course, can do detachment. But the moon also wants to be nurturing and sensitive. And so there's a, a conundrum that's posed here that will only start to play out in a healthy way if he's willing to mature in terms of how well he uh, expresses his sensitivity and his emotions. Um, in other words, he, he'll probably actually have to open up, be vulnerable, and say how it is he's feeling. I know if you look at a bit of his history, he had a tendency to just jump and run if it wasn't working for him, uh, leaving people in the lurch. And my suspicion is, is it comes from this particular combo in his chart where um, not really a mature way to handle if you're not feeling good about what's going on. Yes, the moon in Aquarius can say, oh, I'm detaching, poof. But, you know, that's, you need to actually take into account what, the, what other people are feeling and, um, and to express exactly, you know, what is not working for you. Okay, so, oh, I've still got 10 minutes, so why don't I pick up another chart? And, oh, because I'm taping, I can pause while I find it, yay! Okay, so the next chart I have dug out of my compendium of many charts is that of Sonny Bono. And uh, probably at this point in time, best known for being married to Cher and unfortunately taking himself out in a ski accident which is a shame. Um, not only did they did he do music with Cher, but they were also involved in TV productions. And he is a son in Aquarius. And so we will be looking to see, um, is it a day chart? And unfortunately it's not. It is also a night chart. Um, and so the domicile ruler of Aquarius is Saturn. And is it well placed? Well, Unfortunately not. Saturn is in Pisces. And um, yeah, that that's going to create an interesting pickle. Um, it's The sun is in the fifth place of creativity. So obviously, um, you know, he was in the right job per se. Um, he was born just before a full moon. Uh, would have been a full moon the next day. 
And uh, that's kind of an interesting phenomena, which is a bit of a sidebar from uh, what I'm talking about these days, or, you know, what I've talked about today. Um, so I'm, I'm going to kind of run through a little bit about sun-moon combinations um, as, yeah, that would be a better way to flesh out this last few minutes of the show. So people born on new moons, in other words, the sun and moon are obviously in the same sign. And this quality pretty much extends to, doesn't matter what domicile slash sign that, they, that this happens in, but these people have a tendency of feeling very self-sufficient. Um, and because basically the two kind of main components of the personality are in tune with each other. And so they kind of look out at the rest of the world and kind of go, what gives? Like, you know, lots of people, most of us, of, of course, are not born on new moons. And so there is reconciliation that happens within between our ears with various aspects of our personality all fighting to have center stage or to be the one that's driving the boat etc whereas for new mooners they're just self-sufficient now the first quarter square um, or even between the first quarter square that would be a sextile um, that happens to be what I have I have sun sextile the moon and so pretty much I can be fairly well put together until I'm not <laughs> but um, what that also speaks to is the relationship that was happening at the moment that you were born between your parents and in my case they were actually getting along and that's what a sextile would say same with the the uh, new moon it would say that parents are likely doing really well with the square not so much okay and so but the square is easy to deal with because it's up front and in your face and so there would be two sides to a person's personality that just need to respect each other and find room for both agendas now the next aspect up is the trine obviously parents getting along really well and the integration on an inner level is also going to be pretty well done um, next we have the opposition and that's the full moon now full moon have um, a balancing act to complete and there can be times when they vacillate where they're all about their emotions so Sonny Bono would be all about his Leo moon or he may be completely detached and be in his Aquarian Sun and so at some point in his development um, he would want to create a balance there and unfortunately with Saturn ruling the Saturn side of things um, that's gonna be a tough one because Saturn is boundary you know it has no boundaries and yet Saturn is all about boundaries and um, I would be curious to know if he ever struggled with you know sort of drugs and alcohol and all of that kind of scene um, just because of that Saturn in Pisces um, maturity would be another aspect Okay, I can see where I am now actually running down my time. So, like I said earlier, we will um, continue on with the sun sign um, domicile uh, exploration. Probably do Mars, or pardon me, Aries, <laughs> Taurus, Gemini, and Cancer on the next show. And if you want to re listen to this or other episodes, 
They are up on my website, which is www.cardinalastrology.ca, where you can find source material also and PDFs to help follow with the show. And just as a reminder, you have been listening to Astrology Today on CJMP 90.1 FM, Powell Rivers Community Radio Station. Thanks for listening and see you next week. This is a rebroadcast of my radio show, Astrology Today, which aired on CJMP 90.1 FM, Powell Rivers Community Radio Station.